deep in the heart of Central Texas, it's the Best of the Outdoors podcast, brought to you by Texas Fish and Game Magazine, the voice of the Texas Outdoor Nation. I'm your humble host, Dustin Vaughn Warnke, author, outdoor writer, videographer, speaker, blogger, podcaster, back again with another episode. Man, am I fired up to bring you this content as I am every week we do this show. Um, back and better than ever, just having an awesome time in the outdoors and just happy I get to share this time with you. Today I've got an awesome guest on the show as I try to bring you every two weeks and that is Jason Sacco from the Outdoor Adventures with Jason podcast. His name is uh, spelled J-A-Y-S-O-N instead of J-A-S-O-N. Um, I helped Jason get his podcast started a couple of years ago um, and he's just been rocking it, man. He's a great guest great shows um he does a great job editing and and everything that i've taught him to do over the years um and just uh really recommend that you check out check out his show i'm gonna put his uh info in the show notes and we're gonna talk about hunting and fishing outdoor lifestyle um anti-hunters and uh conservation and all kinds of big deals like that that are kind of the big issues that face hunting and fishing in today's world and this is more of a worldly show when we talk about uh hunting africa hunting new zealand hunting um you know uh places in uh mongolia and places like that it's just a really really fun show i kind of get to live vicariously through listening to jason's show on a regular basis uh of all the different guests that he has on that uh, talk about turkey hunting or big game hunting or um small game or fishing or anything like that i mean there's just a lot of different great content that's on his show so here's my interview with mr jason sacco from the outdoor adventures with jason podcast Joining me on the phone, Mr. Jason Sacco from the Outdoor Adventures with Jason podcast. How you doing today, man? Say Great, Dustin. I really appreciate you having me on the show. It's a pleasure to speak with you. I got to be on your show. I guess it's been a little bit over a year ago now. And I wanted to have you on our podcast and just talk about some general outdoor issues and stuff that faces hunters and fishermen and people that enjoy the outdoors. Uh, tell us a little bit about your podcast and how people can find it and also how you got started in this industry. Sure. Well, again, I really appreciate you having me on. Uh, it's a pleasure. And since your podcast reaches out and touches everybody here in this my adopted state of Texas, <laughs> man, I just absolutely love talking about this. Yes. Um, I grew up hunting and fishing. Um, you know, I went, but one of my first hunting adventures, I was four or five years old and I got taken to a duck blind. Mm-hmm. Now, what they were thinking, taking a five-year-old to a duck blind, I don't know, but they did. <laughs> And, um, and who was so this? Was this your dad or was this, that was, was my dad and, uh, okay. one of his good friends who ended up moving to Wyoming and became a hunting guide out there. Cool. Uh, so it, it started up and I grew up on Lake Huron and well, not literally on, but you know, near Lake Huron. Sure. So we always had a boat, uh, walleye fished, uh, anything we could do to get out there and fish on the lakes, both, the Great Lakes, Lake Huron, Lake Erie, Lake Michigan, as well as any of the inland lakes and the rivers that are all through Michigan. So sure. there's fantastic fishing. Um, uh, fishing is near and dear to my heart. Uh, whitetail hunting, uh, rabbit hunting, you know, that was back before kids were, uh, you know, kids were so pampered like they are now. And my brother <laughs> and I were the dogs. We would jump on the brush piles to shoot the rabbits out. <laughs> That's and great. <laughs> so we, um, it, it was just, it was a good time. If, if my dad was going hunting, we were going. Right. So I grew up uh, watching uh, Marlon Perkins. Yep. Remember Mutual of Omaha? Yes. And in Michigan, uh, we had 
Now, granted, he wasn't making the TV shows by the time I was old enough to watch TV, but we caught reruns of stuff from Fred Bear, Morton F. Uh, these guys were great in the outdoor industry. And uh, it, I several times going up north, we would stop right at the Fred Bear store right there in, in uh, Gaylord, where they mm -hmm. made bear archery boats. Sure. So uh, I, I wasn't into archery, but it was always... It's cool to stop there. Of course, I never saw Fred Bear, but it, it was cool. Sure. And, oh, then I moved to Arizona, and I stopped hunting. Mm -hmm. And little did I realize how great the elk hunting was in that state. Sure. And so I spent 10 years, never bought a license, never bought anything, never even considered it. Mm -hmm. Moved here to Texas, and, oh, man, was my eyes open. <laughs> This yeah. state was a mecca for hunters. Right. Uh, I did a little bit of fishing. We took a couple of charter boats out of the uh, Port A area and had a great time doing that. And I really, one of the things I wish I was doing more of was fishing. I wish it was a little bit closer. Sure. Because we both uh, live, you live in South Texas and I live in Central Texas. You're kind of South Central Texas, I guess. You're not down in the valley, but you're in the San Antonio area. And you're getting ready to move back to Michigan, right? Yeah. I am getting ready to move back to Michigan in a couple of days. So that's one of the things I wish I had done more of sure. in Texas was, was the fishing. Um, but the hunting here is, oh my goodness, there is so many cool things. And I got, um, oh geez, I, I came, I had my little kids and I told each one of them when they turned five, I would take them hunting. Mm -hmm. So I took my daughter when she turned five to a, uh, I bought a doe hunt for uh, Susan G. Komen breast cancer uh -huh. fundraiser. Sure. Took my daughter up to a place outside of um, San Angelo. Okay, cool. It was a 16,000 acre ranch. And he said, shoot a couple does. And we drove around and just, he showed me the ranch. Great place. And I absolutely was like hooked. We shot a couple does. My daughter had a great time. And uh, she was four, I think, at the time. And as we're standing there finished up, I got the two does in the back of my truck. Here comes a, well, at the point he was like an 11 pointer, mm -hmm. huge buck. Mm -hmm. He comes walking up and we're standing at the camp house. And the rule is no shooting within like a mile of the camp house. Sure. For safety's sake. Right. Well, that, because they had some pet deer. Okay. That too. And, uh, <laughs> they, yeah, they had a couple of them that just wouldn't leave around the house. And they didn't want them shot. Sure. So this big buck comes in and he's hurt. You can see him bleeding. And uh, he says, oh, man, he got he got his butt whooped by somebody. Mm -hmm. And he goes, do you have a kid's license with you? Your daughter can shoot him. Well, I'm sitting there going, I don't want my daughter to shoot that. That's too big of a deer for her. She, right, for she'll be spoiled. Time. Yeah, she'll be spoiled for life. <laughs> and uh, so she didn't have a license. We didn't have ability to get one. So he ended up going to get another young kid to shoot, which I thought was really cool. Sure. Uh and he had plenty of hogs on the ranch, and uh, he would shoot the hogs and take them to people that were uh, not doing financially well so that they would have protein you know, and stuff to eat. Sure. And so just a really cool guy. So anyway, got into that and was watching a lot of hunting shows and happened to see a hunting show that said, hey, if you're out there and you like to hunt, call us. Mm -hmm. And that was called North American Safari, I think, with a guy named Blaine Ant Blaine Anthony or Anthony Blaine, Anthony Blaine. Okay, cool. And, uh, I called, we talked, I ended up, I never got any hunts film to put on there, but I did do some work, helped them land some, uh, uh, sponsorships, things like that. And sure. so it was, 
it was an interesting turn. And that's about the same time that I think I bought your book on how to get started in, in hunting, you know, mm -hmm. through the television industry. TV side, yeah, right. And read that. And in there, I think you made, I, I think I reached out to you and we talked a little bit and I started hunting at DB Hunting Ranch. Right. Had a blast. They had a guy there named Jake at the time, Jake Davis. Yes. And Still friends with Jake. He's a good guy. <laughs> yeah, Jake's a great guy. And he guided, and for the listeners, I'm handicapped. Right, I wanted to bring and that up I, too. I walk with a cane now, but I can tell you there's several times Jake and I hunted DB Hunting Ranch when I was on crutches. Right. And uh, we made mistakes. Uh, I, I use a 30-odd six, and I wanted a Catalina goat. Right. We got in there. Here comes this Catalina goat. And Jake's like, oh, my gosh, he came right out. He goes, I drove around this place for three days and didn't see him. <laughs> and here he comes. <laughs> I picked yeah. my 30-odd six up. Aim at him. Perfect shoulder shot. Yep. Smoke clears and he's looking at me. And I'm like, what the heck? <laughs> I'm like, that was a 30 out of six. That was a 180 grain round. Right. That's a heck of a bullet. So yep. he's like, shoot him again. I shoot him again. But this time I shoot right behind the shoulder. He takes off running. I'm like, what the heck? Mm -hmm. I, I take the two bullets out and I look and I'm like, oh my goodness. I grabbed the 125 grain soft points. Okay. Instead of the 180 grain rounds that my gun normally likes. Right. And these soft points, it went, when it hit him in his shoulder joint, it well, it did hurt him. All it did was shred. Right. And I was to Jake. I'm like, I grabbed the wrong bullets. Mm -hmm. He's like, oh crud. So he had a gun on his on the cart, and the goat the goat was gone. The goat had run off. Yep. So we're like, we got to kill that goat. But I'm on crutches. I can't go after him. Sure. So we hop on the cart, we take off, we get up there, and at the range we got, I hopped off the cart, shot the goat, down he went, and uh, so I'm, I'm hobbling over on crutches. I'm probably six weeks, eight, well, I'm probably eight weeks out of a hip replacement. Yep. I hobble over there on crutches, get near that goat. I'm like, the smell about knocked me over. Yeah, that's pretty bad, isn't it? <laughs> and I'm like, I look at Jake and I'm like, you pick him up. Yeah, that's right. You're the guy here. <laughs> and and uh, Jake was just a good guy. It, yeah. it is a good guy. So yeah, for sure. Um, that was one of the first things I took at Danny's and at DB Hunting Ranch. And it's it's really been neat to watch that place expand. Sure. He's really gone from just the days of getting up there and you know you basically parked at danny's house just down the street right. and went in to now he's got those really cool lodges mm -hmm. and cabins the, yep the cabins and the, the meat processing and all this stuff that really is is slick so you guys have done a great job with the promotion of that place i i really enjoy it great that's awesome yeah um and yeah go ahead i'm sorry no i'm i was just gonna say and then i started hunting around texas freer um you know, down closer towards the valley a couple right. times, Uvalde. Uh, but I've never taken, uh, you know, I did a little bit of, took a couple little bucks from Hill Country Bucks out of Bandera. Mm -hmm. um, and you know what I mean, just little, you know, free range little bucks. Right, right, sure. Um, I'm happy with them. I like them. They're a trophy to me. Sure. Uh, so, but they ate just as well as anything else. Oh, yeah. They're delicious. <laughs> I love wild meat, that's for sure. I know you yep. do too. So, no, that's great. Um, your show is one of the ones I wanted to have you on the podcast because you have such a world view of hunting 
because you have guests on there that talk about hunting in africa and hunting in new zealand and hunting all over the world and that's the thing i've always liked is you're you're a texas-based show or you were a texas-based show you're getting ready to move to michigan but you really encompass the outdoor lifestyle well when it comes to conservation when it comes to hunting issues and fishing issues and those kind of things that we deal with in in the outdoors and i just applaud you for that i want to you know give you a, a kudos for that because uh there are a lot of guys that aren't aren't willing to touch those issues in podcasting or otherwise well, thank you. I When I started the show, I looked at everything and maybe much to my detriment, I love the interview styles of Howard Stern. Okay. And I wanted to have a show where it was just like whoever my guest was, that we were just sitting there over a cup of coffee or a, a beer and just having a chat about hunting. Sure. I didn't want to use scripted questions. I didn't want to have the same, what gun do you shoot? What bow do you shoot? Right. Now we do talk about equipment, sure, um, and some of that's important to the story. But I really wanted to capture the story of hunting. Yes, and it's been really cool. I, I've talked to guys that have hunted every country that ends in a stand. Um, <laughs> that's and, a feat right there to accomplish. Yeah, because there's a lot. Oh, of it's those. amazing. <laughs> there's a gentleman here in Texas named Jason Price uh, runs a show on YouTube called The Experience. Yes, I love it. He's that. gone to. Oh, Mongolia. I'm sorry. I think he's going to Mongolia. Right. He just did a great show from Tajikistan. Mm -hmm. I think that's how you say it. Uh, New Zealand. Um, uh, you know, you name it. Alaska, Canada, just some amazing places sure. that as a handicapped person, the likelihood of me going to climb the mountains to get a, a stone sheep are slim to none. Right. Uh, and so to talk to these men and women that do it, I love. Right. And it's really one of the things that I also try to really get across to folks is that, and, and Texans will know this or should know this better than most, is that you have a species here, well, three species, the Cemetar Hondorix, the Attics, and the uh, Dama Gazelle. Uh-huh. Which were on it's the endangered a, list for a while, but now they're because of hunting, they're off the endangered list, and now they're right, you know, free exotics. Yeah. And if it wasn't for Texas hunters, Texas ranchers, these animals would, in most cases, be regulated or you know just show up in a zoo here or there. Yeah. Uh, and so to be able to say, you know, I've always wanted to hunt an addix, and is it for the meat of that addix? Do you say I'm going to go shoot that addicts for the meat? No, that's just an uh, extra piece. Sure. You're going for the trophy, the animals, the the horns, the hide, the mount, and then the meat in that case. Yes. So there's nothing wrong with being a, uh, at least the way I look at it, as I tell folks, there's nothing wrong with being, you know, the, the word trophy hunter right. has taken on a, a bad connotation. Yes, especially and, with the, the animal ritus and those kind of guys. Yeah, exactly. Right. Oh, yeah. You know, I went to um, Zimbabwe. I was lucky enough to go to Zimbabwe. Gosh, it's been five, six years ago now. Right. I remember that. And one of the animals I shot was a giraffe. And I'll tell you, did I get love notes from the anti-hunters when I posted that picture <laughs> on Facebook? I'm sure you did, yeah. But wow. what they didn't understand, I think... There's so many people that think Africa is what they see in a Disney movie. Mm -hmm. The Lion King, not. if you will. Yeah, right. 
Right. When you and, and this was eye opener for me because honestly, I just I never thought about private property in Africa. I just mm-hmm. figured that Africa was Africa. Sure. You know, and I never thought that people actually own the property there. Yes. So when you get over there and you start to realize, hey, I've just driven four hours on a road and the only animal I've seen is a donkey. Mm-hmm. Where are the impalas? Where are the giraffe? Where are the zebras? Where? And you ask somebody, you say, where are all these animals? And they said, oh, they don't exist out here. You know, they've all been shot, poached off. Right. And you're like, well, well, where are they? Well, the animals are only on the conservancies. Mm-hmm. So when we got to the conservancy, man, did we see giraffes. There was giraffe everywhere. Sure. Uh, zebra, wildebeest, the blue wildebeest, not black. I was in Zimbabwe. Right. Um, and, and the black are, are just out in South Africa. So we got to this conservancy, and it, the conservancy was a series of all these ranches that quit raising cattle and now just hunted. Right. It amounted to about 600,000 acres. Wow. Uh, so, a very, so you imagine, basically it was a park. Yep. But it wasn't run by the state, the country of Zimbabwe. It was run by these ranchers, and the money to protect it came from hunters. Mm-hmm. Sure. They did a little bit of photography clients, but they told me that they did maybe half a dozen um, photographers a year. And I said, could you run this place on just the, the photography? And they said, no, right. there's no way. Hunting is um, what pays the bills, right? Yeah. Hunting is what pays the bills. They had about a 600-acre spot enclosed, like high-fenced. And that 600 acres was probably the flattest piece of property that was out there. Uh-huh. And they raised corn, tomatoes, and onions in there, and also some sheep. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it would, the, the high fence was to keep the elephants and the leopards out. Sure, sure. I see that. Yeah. And... So that was really their only agriculture. And they raised hogs and some stuff like that. Uh, but it was all in this enclosure. Huh. Everything else, the rest of the 60,000 acres that I had to hunt was open. There were some fences, but they were old cattle fences. So they were just three-strand barbed wire right. fences. Right, uh, something could jump over fairly easily, right, exactly. The jump over, run through, right. whatever. They weren't maintained. Okay. So... The only thing they did was they would send out the people during the off season to start to collect the barbed wire so the animals um, wouldn't harm themselves, not, right? Yeah, and it was actually more because they didn't want the poachers stealing the barbed wire oh, okay. used for snares. Yeah, that makes um, sense. So they were pulling a lot of that, uh, but it was really, really an eye opener. And at first, I was going to shoot an eland, mm-hmm. and then we saw these giraffe, and I said, you know what? I want to shoot a giraffe instead. And they looked at me and they're like, "You sure?" Like, yep. They said, great, because we were going to kill 55 giraffe off this property, no matter what. (laughs) And so what people didn't understand is that giraffe that I shot, he was going to get shot that year, whether I did it or whether they did it. Right. Either way, he was getting shot. And so what happened is it took uh, six, seven guys most of the day to process that giraffe after I shot him. It was huge. I bet. He was well in, I think they said they estimated him around 24, 25 years old. He was an old herd bull that was no longer accepted by the herd. And he would try to go in to get cows to mate with him. 
and get in a fight with the younger bulls and hurt them. Hmm. So they wanted him gone. So anyway, I shot him. About a quarter of the meat went to a local village as basically a bribe because they were letting the cattle. The river was the boundary. Uh-huh. And when you went, we drove to the river. The other side of the river was dusty soil, very little vegetation, overgrazed. Mm-hmm. So what they were doing is they were driving their cattle into the river and then up the other side into the into the place where there was grass, right. where there was they no longer had cattle, which was the hunting preserve. Because mm-hmm. I joked a couple of times, we came up on some uh, bulls, and I'm like, Kudu, stop, I'm going to shoot it. And they're like, no, 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 that's a cow, don't shoot that. <laughs> Interesting. And I'm like, I know. Yeah. You know, so I was just messing, because they were, it was such a good time, and everybody spoke English, right. so I... I try to tell people, don't be afraid to go to Zimbabwe, South Africa, Tanzania, Namibia, Mozambique, Botswana. They're all safe to go travel to. Yeah, they're friendly places for the most part, especially in the hunters. And the one thing that I wanted to bring up that you always talk about on your show, and there's a few things, few, you know, themes that go through your show, but the one thing I've talked about on this show because of your show, and when I talked to other hunters like Tim Jackson who went to Africa not long ago, we talked about it on our podcast together. Without hunters, there's no value on those animals. Correct. And and I think that that needs to be driven home because that's what is it's kind of a microcosm of that has happened in Texas. We have all the Dama gazelles and the the addicts and the, and the oryx and Gimsbach and so on and so forth because of hunting, and because there's a demand for those animals and there's a value on them because they're to be hunted. So that's the thing that it's a good argument I have with some people that are non-hunters or just anti-hunters. You know that um, you know we have this rich landscape of of, of wild game. Because of hunting, you know, and hunting is what's made that possible. So I, I applaud you for, for bringing that up on your show on a regular basis, because I think that needs to, that needs to be said. It's that old adage of if it pays, it stays. Yeah, that's and, a good one. I haven't heard that one in a while. You that's know, good. <laughs> if, and the thing is, it's not like, a, like humans where we pair up with one wife and we have our kids, we raise our family. You right. can have one herd bull for an Elon, for an Impala, for whatever. You have one male, and he can easily take care of 10, 20, 50, 100 females. Mm-hmm. So when you go over there, I think the, I think the misconception is, is that we're just, you know, gun-toting yahoos, and we get over there, and anything that moves, we, we shoot it. And it's not that way at all. Yeah, I agree. No, I mean, you know very well that when – when you go over there, will you take a female species of, of some of the animals sometimes? Yes. But there's usually a reason for that. Right. But mostly what you're looking for is the very old, mature males because, guess what? They have the biggest horns. They have the biggest mane. They have the, you know, whatever you're looking for, the most pronounced stripes. And so if I have, you know, 100 females and 20 males – I don't need that many males. Right. I can, you call the herd. I can get rid of two, three, four males and all my females will still get bred that year. The, sure. The, and the males that go, if they're older, they've already given their genetics away. They've yes. already passed them on to the next so, generation of, of it, whatever. Right. Yeah. It, it aggravates me to no end. You know, I, I'm pretty much, I can't say that there's any type of way I don't agree with hunting. 
there's just some that I have less interest in than others. Okay. And so, but if it's legal and you have the appropriate licenses to do it and it's done in a fair method. Right. And you like it, then I support you. I might not want to do it, but I support you. And that's the one thing I've always liked about your message on your podcast. And I, I, I was going to bring this up anyway. And you naturally brought it up, and I think that's great. But it's it's that whole mindset of don't hunters don't attack other hunters for hunting. You know, if it's legal, if you have the means to do it, if you have the ability to do it, then take care of each other and support each other and not bash each other because you didn't agree with them killing that giraffe or that elephant or whatever the case may be, you know? Um, right. I think that's a good and point. I think a, yeah. I think a lot of it comes out as I, I maybe it's jealousy. I don't yeah. know. You know, I, I can't afford to go shoot an elephant. Would I, if I could, you betcha I'd be, I'd be hobbling up there with my cane. I'd be the first one in line <laughs> with an elephant um, gun, <laughs> but I can't afford to. Right. Right. But I can't afford to. And I understand that. And I accept it. And you know what I've really come to love to do is the poor man's hunt, which is I've come to love hog hunting. Mm-hmm. And guys will say, well, I'm going to Colorado to get a mule deer and I'm going here to get this. And I'm going here to get this. I'm like, great. I'm going up the street to shoot pigs. Yep. And you and I'm I just happy pig whacking on. <laughs> yep. I absolutely love it. Mm-hmm. And so now don't get me wrong. I, mule deer hunting. I'd love to do. I'd love to go get an elk. I'd love to try all these different options, um, but I can be just as happy shooting pigs. Right. And so, you know, I guess what I look at is I see these postings online. They come up on my Facebook page. They come up on yours. They come just in general is hunters attacking hunters. Yes. And it absolutely, it's such a hypocritical thing. Yeah. If you're willing to go out there and shoot a deer, then, and you bought your hunting license, Hurrah. If it's got a spike or a 10 point or a 20 point, yep. congratulations. I'm going to shake your hand, patch on the back and say, great job. Right. Because I'm not going to criticize you that you bought the license. It was your right to shoot whatever deer that was legally able to be harvested. Right. Um, who am I to tell you that you should have shot a bigger deer? You right. know, no, you're right. And, and, yeah, I agree. So if I want to shoot sandhill cranes, Man, I'm going to shoot sandhill cranes. If I want to shoot doves, I'm going to shoot doves. Mm-hmm. Um, as long as I've bought my license, I and I, I buy the shells, I buy the gun, everything pays a tax right. back to the wildlife restoration. So uh, it just aggravates me. The other one is I only I only shoot what I eat, or I only eat what I yeah. you know I only hunt what I can eat. I'm like, come on. We talked about that before we hit the record button, yeah. And I'm more of a meat hunter than anything, but my office, which I know you've never been to, one of these days we'll get together, but I've got, you know, a Texas doll, I've got a Catalina Mm -hmm. goat, red stag, a couple of whitetail, a couple of rams, you know, that kind of stuff. I, I... I love I love all of it, you know. I love to eat more than just about anything, but I I absolutely love the the trophy end of it too because and not so as much as I used to because I buy and sell exotics, you know, now for for uh, for a couple of businesses, but you know, I I just I hate to see hunters cannibalize on themselves is my point. Yep. And you make There's... a great point that, you know, not just that, but also 
Um, we need to support each other and get on each other's bandwagons and help each other more than we are hurting each other because we're ruining the sport you know, for the future of the generations, you know? Right. Uh, generally, and, and I don't have the site to source this, where I, I can't remember where I saw it or even heard it, but I heard that hunting numbers, the numbers of hunters are going down. Right. I've heard the same we're, thing. We're losing our kids to video games. We're losing our kids to YouTube we're losing them to interesting things right? Uh, or, or things that they find more interesting, I should say. And it's a shame. Yeah. Uh, I, all, my kids have all gone hunting. They don't really care for it. Mm -hmm. So I'm not going to push them. Right. But I do ask them, Hey, do you want to go? Do you want to go? Nah. So, okay. And you have two girls. Is that right? Two girls and a boy, two girls and a boy. Okay, cool. And the boy is showing a little bit of an interest in um, archery. He's had some ear damage when he was younger, so he doesn't like the boom of a gun. Right. Uh, but he's showing some interest in archery, so I may not have completely lost him yet. Right. But uh, but you're right. There are a lot of different competing goals for people's time, especially kids' time these days. I heard one day uh, in one of the Christian men's retreats I just came back from a couple of weeks ago, one of the guys said, you know, the biggest competition with social media is sleep. You know, <laughs> isn't that ridiculous? Yeah, true. <laughs> you know? true. The, but social media is so geared now that you, you since you push notifications and everything, and you're constantly on there because they want to serve you ads and they want to sell, sell, sell. And I mean, we're the most marketed to culture in the world history ever. And um, I don't really agree with that. But at the same time, I mean, we, we got to preserve our sport for the future. And that's a big thing I talk about on the show all the time, as you know. And I go, I vacillate both ways on this. I do agree with the early youth seasons that take place right. in various places. Mm -hmm. I always look at it, though, as, as a kid, I can remember the years of sitting in the woods in Michigan, November 15th, opening day. Sometimes there's snow, sometimes there's rain, sometimes there's it's nice. Right. And you come home with nothing. Mm -hmm. But... There's always that chance you might, so you keep going out. Right. Now I see these young little kids posing with their 12 points, their 14-point bucks, and I'm like, does that do them justice? Does that teach them adversity? Does that teach them to keep trying to let them take a buck that big when they're young? Right. Again. Good point. I, I also just said at the point, who am I to tell you what you can and can't shoot? Um. So I know that's a little hypocritical. I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth there. But I really look at it as not that I don't want that young child to take that deer, but I want them to learn that there's not always that big buck waiting at the other end, that they might sit out there and get nothing. Right. Yeah, they're, they're disappointments in the outdoors. And that's one thing that the last show that I had on, the Cast Blast Girl Chill guys, Jeremy and Trevor, you know, um, well, and one of my other guests that I had, Michael Foster, he talked about the side of, you know, getting kids starting, starting kids in an early age, squirrel hunting or the basic simple pursuits, bluegill fishing, you mm -hmm. know, the basic simple pursuits and that kind of stuff. But, you know, the, the other side of it is um, where do you go from there? You know, I mean, where, where do you go from a 14 point at, at 12 years old? You know, exactly. I mean, you've kind of, I don't want to say ruined, but you've kind of, you know, um, lessened their excitement for what's next, you know, and, and I, I'm not, I'm not saying it's wrong, you know, neither are you. It's just one of those things to think about for sure. It's just one of those things where, 
I, I look at it and I say, is that really helping our sport to let that right. young kid and not again, not that I don't want to take a big buck. I think it's awesome. And maybe it keeps them coming back. Only time will tell. Right. But what I really have the problem with is it's like the every kid gets a trophy thing that I don't mm-hmm. agree with. Yeah. Where do we teach these kids adversity? Where do we teach them that there's some disappointment of, oh, man, I didn't get anything this year, but there's always next year. Right. Um, so, and, and again, I'm just seeing the picture with the big buck. Maybe that is the kid's fourth or fifth year out there. Right. And and I'm completely wrong. And I, I'll accept that if somebody wants to contact me and tell me to, to pound sand. That's great. <laughs> um, I get I those no, comments all the time. So, yeah. So, yeah. It's it's really everybody's got to do what's right, but I want everything to be not do what's right for them. But I want this magnificent tradition of hunting to carry forward. And again, whether it be you sitting out there popping squirrels with an air rifle or you're in Africa or you're chasing uh, Argali sheep through some mountain in some country, you can't even pronounce their name. Um, It's it's fantastic. And, you know, and that's one of the things I like about talking to the folks that go all over is I wouldn't think of hunting in Pakistan. Right. But I, these guys come on and they talk about going to hunt in Pakistan. And I would think, my gosh, aren't you afraid of being kidnapped or killed? And they're like, no, what you don't see is the 20 armed guards surrounding us. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, what a, what a neat culture, uh, cultural experience. And, uh, you know, there's the, I think they're called blue sheep or blue goats or something like that in Pakistan. Mm -hmm. And the Pakistanis raise, you know, they're, they're herders. They they have their herds of goats and sheep. So instead of shooting one of their goats, they would shoot one of these wild ones, eat that. Uh huh. Well, then a couple of big wigs from Pakistan went around and said, Hey, don't shoot those anymore. We can sell them to, to people to come over to hunt. Right. That's smart. And so <laughs> what, right, exactly. So at one point, these, I think there was less than a thousand of these sheep or goats left. And again, the name of them is blue something or other blue Ibex, something like that. Okay. So American goes over a European goes over, you know, whoever they want to hunt these. I think they did, seven permits six permits something like that the for first the year. year okay right they took them over they harvested the six you know i think they're goats i think they harvested the six billies every time one was harvested there was an eight thousand dollar trophy fee wow and that uh, hunter had given the eight thousand dollars to the head of the pakistanis whatever the tribal setup was yeah and he walked over to the village chieftain the whole village is around there and he starts laying money in that guy's hand. Yeah. And the, the guy's sitting there and he's looking at it and he says, all this money for that goat. Mm-hmm. And he turns around and tells everybody else, anybody that shoots those goats, you're not going to ever shoot anything again. Right. And so now all of a sudden they're like, hell, I only get a hundred dollars if I sell one of my goats, but we get 3000 if we yeah. eat this, right. I'll eat my own goats. Right, and I won't shoot the wild ones. Yeah, and that's kind of a lesson in conversation, uh, conservation. I remember you had that guy on your show, and when I first heard that, I was like, "Man, that is a really neat idea," you know. Yep, and that was Mark Peterson, Mm -hmm. 
and uh, he's uh, he's got Cabela's. Um, I can't think of the name of the show right now. Okay. Instinct or something like that. Yeah. And uh, really nice guy. He runs a travel. He owns a travel company that sets hunters up all around the world right. for neat stuff. And uh, I remember so, that. Yeah, WTA, WTA hunting. Yeah. So there's there's just all these neat stories that are part of hunting, and one thing that anti hunters throw around, and I, I remember this term from a biology class in college or not term, but the, the saying is the professor was part of ducks unlimited uh-huh. and somebody was talking anti-hunting in the class and he goes, find me a definition for conservation. Yes. Because they were, and conservation is basically the wise use of a resource. Yes. And he goes, you're not a conservationist. Like you keep spouting off. You're a preservationist. Yeah, and I love you, your show for that because that's that's one of the things that I drive home to people too, that you're either one or the other, really. You're not both. Right. You can't – if you're telling people not to shoot an animal, then you're a preservationist. Mm-hmm. A conservationist believes in the wise use, and if that population can only um, accept two males being taken out of it to be a viable population – right then we'll take one or two males mm-hmm. if there's a market for them. Right. But if there's a, if there's no market, there's no anti-poaching patrols. There's no, let's do this in the United States. Where right. do all the state game and fish departments get their uh, yearly operating budget from? Yeah, that's a good point. It's from, it's from conservation efforts, right? It's from hunter's license. It's from hunter license that fund conservation efforts is what I was trying to say. Yep. Yeah. No, exactly. exactly. So, if, if there's no hunting, there's no – in Michigan, it's the Department of Natural Resources, the DNR. In Texas, right. Texas Parks and Wildlife right, Department. Right, right, If there's no hunting licenses, there's no none of these departments. Right, and there's none of that protection of our wildlife and our fish and, and that kind of stuff. I mean, that's the one thing a lot of people don't realize. I, I brought this up on the show before, but I had one guy on the Texas Hog Hunters Association um, – uh, website or uh, Facebook group, and this is a few months ago. But he basically said, "Well, you know, for hogs, if it's my own land, do I really need to have a hunting license?" And I'm like, "Of course you do. Not just because of the law, but because of what it supports. I mean, all of that money just about goes to fund conservation efforts from Texas Parks and Wildlife in our case, or, or whatever. I mean, uh, quite a bit of that money. You know, the duck stamp. I have not hunted ducks the last two years, but I bought the duck stamp." Um, because it supports conservation and I, the whole idea is put the money where your mouth is, you know, like you say a lot. Right. Right. And you know, I haven't picked up a rifle at all this year. Okay. I've been too busy with the podcast and trying to learn how to bow hunt mm-hmm. with a vertical bow and, but I still bought my hunting license. Yeah, sure. Because a, I might go might being the keyword and B that's a little bit of a donation to the state sure. to keep the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department funded and going. Yeah, absolutely. So, which is which is important all over the world, I think. You know, anything right. that you give money into hunting, uh, and I'm not talking about paying, you know, four grand to go kill an axis because that's going to go into a rancher's pocket. But I mean, it's it's just when it comes to native species, especially, but also exotics, you can also put that too. When it comes to protecting that species, that's that's totally important, I think. Yeah, I mean, you've got, you've got um, so many pressures, 
and I'm going to pick on a state for a moment here, Go and that's California. <laughs> All right. <laughs> California has a rich hunting heritage there that a lot of people don't realize, but it's it's vastly overwhelmed by the number of anti-hunters. And as they come out, um, they tend to want to bring their political persuasions to other states. Right. And they, they don't want to assimilate in that state. They want to change it to what they just left. Sure, sure. And if you look, my prior state, I lived in Arizona. They're having a heck of a battle right now because the folks don't want, there's a huge push to outlaw hunting of any wild cats. Right. Well, the hunters, and you know what they're using as their model is the perfect situation? What? California. Yeah, of course. We don't shoot mountain lions in California, so why should we shoot them in Arizona? Jason, can well, you believe that they actually have a tag you have to put on a feral hog in California? No, no nothing in California surprises me. <laughs> I mean, could you imagine tagging a feral pig in Texas? I mean, I don't know. I didn't mean to cut you off. Go ahead. <laughs> oh, no, no. I, there's nothing that comes out of Texas that's or, uh, out of California, California that surprises, that surprises me. Yeah, me. I know. I, I was watching one of the yeah. Game and Fish, um, you know, the shows they have on Discovery Channel, and, you know, they couldn't hunt hogs with dogs. They couldn't, they couldn't had, had to tag a pig, and I'm like, you got to be kidding me, man. Nothing like that in Texas. No, but the issue we face is that there's Californians moving here in droves. In droves, yeah. That's what affected Arizona. That's what affected Oregon. That's what affected Washington. And, you know, it it affected, in a lot of ways, Colorado. Right. And so, well, we certainly want to open arm and welcome uh, the folks in as they come here and they bring jobs and good companies. Yes. What, you know, when I moved here to Texas, I didn't sit here and say, well, I want to make Texas like Michigan. Right. No, I came here to Texas and I became a Texan. Right. You assimilated, like you were saying earlier. Right. Right. Because Texas has a culture and it was for me to respect it and become part of it and appreciate what built this great state. A fiercely independent culture we have here in Texas, Jason. Right. (laughs) You've learned that. Well, I've learned it, but also look at Austin. Look what's going on there. Yeah, that's true. That's nearby where Austin, I live. Right. Austin's always been more hippie-ish or um, not as conservative as the rest of the state. But as that's gotten worse, um, I'd hate to see it affect things that are Texas. Right. You know, I hate love to see it. Enjoy. Right. Right. There's certain freedoms we take here. There's certain things that landowners understand do and want and i would hate to see any of those challenged and taken away because somebody doesn't like or somebody finds it offensive or you know you know i there's a television show where they're out of up by the waxahachie you know mahaya area Mm -hmm. and the guy on that show always talks about i'm gonna shoot that pig in the face Mm -hmm. and i love it but you know as well as I do that animal rights activists will find that offensive. Oh, sure. Yeah. So, well, I find no problem with it. And I think most people in Texas that have to deal with hogs find no problem with it. Right. Um, all it takes is the wrong person to get in there. Yep. And you've got a legal nightmare that Texas Parks and Wildlife doesn't need to pay to fight. Yep. That, that money's better used towards other things. Right. So, anyway, I know, I've been on a soapbox. Um, 
Well, and, and just, just to your point, though, that's why we as hunters need to stick together and not fight with each other. You right. know, I mean, that, that all goes back to the thing we started out with, Jason, is is the thing that, that's important. And what I love about your podcast is that it, you live vicariously through the moment, through the hunter, and it's opened my eyes to a different level of of um, understanding of world hunting, of why you go to Pakistan to hunt, you know, species there, why you go to Africa. You've opened my eyes tremendously, and I think most people that listen to your show would say the well, same you. thing. You know, because that's, but it's those kind of things that we need to unite together with and not fight about that's just my point well you know i started my podcast based upon the help that you gave right all this equipment and then called you and had no idea how to hook any of it up right and <laughs> i remember that it was your help that got me started and i can honestly sit here remember and recording my first episode going how is anybody gonna find me right <laughs> Yeah. Why would anybody listen? Mm-hmm. And well, I did take a little, little three month sabbatical here in the fall. Um, I'm pushing on fifty thousand downloads. Right. Uh, with the show, and I, it to, to this day it blows my mind when I look at an episode is launched. I'm like, somebody from Mongolia downloaded it. Yeah. Somebody cool. from United Arab Emirates, and mm-hmm. I'm like, how do they find this? Right. Um, and so it's really it's really cool the power that facebook has to help spread your message and it was with your help that i was able to to push through and finally figure out how to plug what into what to to actually make the you know get my message out there so i I can't tell you how much i appreciate that and for anybody that's wanting to start a podcast they're a blast contact dustin for help he's you know he's the guy that can set you up whether it be uh, YouTube channel, podcast, all of it. You know, I owe that all to you showing me the right ways to set this stuff up. Well, and I remember I built your, I built your web, or helped you build your website after you kind of got it started and said, this is not like what I'm used to dealing with. Come help me, you know, and I'm always happy to jump uh-huh. in there and, and do that kind of stuff because I, you know, I just love helping people and you know that. So that's kind of where my heart is and all that stuff. Well, it was the, Hiring you was the best money I ever spent, nice. and it's it's paid itself back time after time after time. And getting this message out there, getting this, you know, again, do I think all of us hunters are ever going to get together and sing Kumbaya on a campfire? No. no. <laughs> right. But should we? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, whether, whether you're hunting hogs with dogs, bears with dogs, you know, chasing elk, uh, chasing some crazy sheep or ibex through the mm-hmm, mountains. Mm-hmm. Um, I support you. If you've paid your money to do it and you have the wherewithal to do it right. and you've got the licenses to do it, I'm your friend. I'll back you a hundred percent. And that's the thing I've liked about, you know, the, the whole concept of, of what we both do in podcasting is about making the outdoors more accessible, whether it be living vicariously through one of your guests or the tips that I give on the show and the gear reviews and stuff that I try to do to make people, you know, think, or just invite people to think, look, you know, I can get out in the outdoors and do something cool, you know, uh, because, because of the message I heard on a podcast. And that's why I do this. I just love this stuff. Exactly. And, I kind of looked at mine, as I said, just an interview show. And uh, when you look at something like um, Merlin Perkins or any of these, Marlon Perkins, I mean, um, 
I'm not going to go to Pakistan, as I said, because of my handicap. Sure. There's a lot of things I'm not going to do. But if I can bring that to you and that motivates you to just go out and go hog hunting, yep. take a kid out, take your wife out, yep. take your uncle out, take somebody with you. Because I, I tell you what, as much fun as I have shooting a hog, I get far more enjoyment out of it when I take somebody out there that's never done it. Right. And they maybe said, well, I, I don't want to shoot a hog. Why, I'll just go to the store and buy pork. Right. Oh, come with me. And when they shoot that and they're excited and they realize they're taking 40, 50, 60 pounds of pork home. Mm-hmm. and That they killed, yep. That they killed, they provided it for their family. And it's just an amazing experience to to watch that transformation of them as they go, I did this. Right. This is, I this is for this. me. Right. This is, yeah. No, I, I really honor you and, and, uh, and what we're both doing because that's really making it, you know, more accessible, more inspirational, motivational outdoor lifestyle. Cause it really is all, all, you know, boils down to a lifestyle choice of what we do in the outdoors. Cause of course we could go buy our fish at the supermarket or we could go buy pork or, or venison or whatever and have it shipped straight to our house. But it's about like you, you, you've talked about a lot of times on your show, it's about that experience. You know, exactly. it's about that connection with nature, with God, with whatever you believe. It's about that experience. And that's the one thing your guests have really driven home in my mind and really opened my eyes to, to see this world is so diverse and huge. And there's so many opportunities out there to enjoy the outdoors in whatever continent you go to and whatever, any of that. Um, you know, it's just, it's about the experience. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I keep, I, I'm not a, I'm not a real religious person. Uh, I believe I'm spiritual. I keep a Bible on my iPhone. Right. And I've gone out to the blind and I've sometimes I'll read a Bible verse. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I might read a zombie book. <laughs> sometimes I take a nap. Um, I try not to nap because I snore so loud. Nothing's going to come. Uh, and then I fell asleep in a blind one time. This is just funny. And as I fell asleep in a blind one time and I, was, I must have been snoring pretty loud. And it was, uh, you know, a, what I call a Texas blind, which is built out of plywood. Right. And, you know, the, none of the windows are the same size. Yes. The, the door hinges are hanging off. <laughs> yep. We've I had all the been front window open, you know, and it was huge. And it had a flap of, um, like, mesh hanging in front of it to keep the bugs out. Mm-hmm. So I had that thing open, and it was hot. It was maybe early September. I fell asleep on the the cook box I was sitting in and <laughs> I woke up to, I literally, I opened my eyes and about four inches in front of me was a cow. <laughs> Sticking he had, his head in the blind. <laughs> he stuck his head in there and I just went, Whoa, Whoa dude, who are you? Who are and you? <laughs> and as soon as I did that, the cow jerked back and about knocked the blind over. And, and then you startled it, Jason. <laughs> oh, we were both startled and I looked out. So, um, I took a picture of the cow with my phone mm-hmm. and I texted the, the guy's place I was hunting. And I said, my gosh, you should see the huge deer that just came in. <laughs> and I said, here's a picture of it. I'm going to, I'm about to shoot. And oh man, my phone lit right. Don't shoot. Don't, <laughs> don't, shoot, that's shoot, a cow. don't shoot. That's a cow, dude. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I know. I, I'm well aware what the distance is. Just messing with you. You were you were face to face with domestic nature, right? 
Yeah, was, was that what you'd call it? Face to face with fourteen hundred pounds of sirloin. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Oh my gosh. Um, so that's it's great. a great state. This is a, an adopted state of mine. I love it. I hate to see anything change. There's fantastic conservation going on here. Texas Parks. If you have not entered the Texas Parks and Wildlife drawings uh, to earn preference points towards some of the exotic animals, yep, they're great. You. you get out there and do it for three bucks mm-hmm. for three bucks. You can put it for a chance to win to shoot a sable. Right. That's um, a very expensive you know, African animal to shoot <laughs> too. Yeah. Um, you know, $3 and then I think a hundred dollar license fee when you get up there, 130 bucks. Mm-hmm. Um, same thing with mule deer. And so there's some great opportunities that if you're not putting in for those, first of all, thank you because you're making the odds for me better. Right. But <laughs> I really do encourage you to go out and put in for them. Right. Exactly. No, that's great. Uh, and so, yeah, it's it's just a great state. There's great opportunities. Uh, there's it's a great nation. There's there's so much public land to go hunting that's maintained by license fees, whether you're in or out of state. Right. Uh, you know, go out there and and pick something that you really want. Mm hmm. Whether it be a white-tailed mule deer, uh, bighorn sheep, elk, yeah, whatever, right? Elk, whatever. Pick that. Decide the area you're going to go. Don't let anything hold you back. Mm-hmm. If you're, if you have any type of handicap whatsoever, feel free to reach out to me. There's some great programs that uh, are designed to get people with disabilities out in the hunting, and up in New Mexico. Uh, much to the detriment of non-handicapped hunters, it's a mobility-impaired hunt for elk Wow! in the middle of the rut in two of the three best areas in the state to hunt elk, which is the Gila and the um, uh, the other forest over by uh, Rio Doso. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, but right in the middle of the rut is a mobility-impaired hunt. These elk are going stupid trying to breed and and you can shoot out of a truck if you're mobility impaired. Right. And I don't fault anybody for doing that. If that's the only way you can get out there to shoot, right. Do it. It's legal. Yeah. If it's legal and if it's, if it's workable, um, tell folks, Jason, because we need to close our show here pretty soon. How do people reach out to you? And I'll put your podcast link in, uh, on iTunes in the show notes and, um, and your website and that kind of stuff too, but tell people how to find you. Sure. The best way is you can head out to my website, which is www.oawjs, stands for Outdoor Adventures with Jason Sacco.com. So oawjs.com. Then contact me through there or email me directly at Jason. It's J A Y S O N dot Sacco, S A C C O, at gmail.com. And I'd be happy to answer, talk with you, uh, listen. I love hunting stories. If you've got something you want to come on the podcast, talk about, oh, let sure. me know. That's great. And, uh, but I, I can't tell you how much I appreciate everything you've done for me, Dustin. Yeah, sure. Um, again, without, without what you've done for me, I wouldn't be at the point where I'm at now and just having a good time and, uh, just enjoying who I talk to. Yeah. I, I'm trying to just talk to the every, every you know, some people got more money than others, but we're all still Americans just out there having a good time hunting. Right, right. And that's the thing that I've, I've always honored about what you're doing is that you're, you're making, you know, your podcasts aren't so much interview, they're conversational and they're relational. They're not transactional. 
you know, and I try to right. do the same thing on this show. In fact, you've actually inspired me to do more on on uh, on my show to even make it more casual and just like we're drinking coffee or drinking a cold one, you know. And um, that's what I really honor about what you're up to. So that's great. Well, thank you. And again, it was a pleasure. Anything I can do to ever help you, I, I you, you know where I'm at. Just reach out, and I will. And to any of the listeners, you know, keep going strong on the Texas fishing game stuff. It's a great. Uh, outlet i i'd love waiting for my digital copy to come and uh so everybody it's been a great state and i can't look forward to or i can't wait to move back once my kids are a little bit older (laughs) that's great thanks again for joining us and there he goes ladies and gentlemen mr jason sacco from the outdoor adventures with jason podcast Love this guy. I've just got so much respect for what he is trying to do in the outdoors and uh, really recommend that you check out his show in addition to this one. Um, and uh, really think he's a great guy to listen to about uh, having an awesome day in the outdoors. So please make sure you subscribe to our magazine if you've not done so already. It is digitally. Um, there is a digital version of it. We have our own Texas Fishing Game app, and you can download it wherever you live in the world. You can download the magazine every month. It comes pushed automatically to your phone if you or mobile device, iPad, whatever um, that you have. And basically, uh, if you're subscribed to the magazine and the digital subscription is not very much, and you basically just get a new issue delivered straight to your mobile device or your phone. Uh, the print magazine comes out every month, uh, 12 months a year, and um, that's a really cool way to digest the content as well. And you can even get both. You can get a combo subscription of the digital and the print magazine. Uh, together and um, check out fishgame.com to renew or subscribe and uh, fishgame.com is where you'll also find some reviews that I've written about some different products and gear reviews that I've done. I've got two coast reviews that I've got out there right now a coast knife and a coast um, flashlight and I just posted those up last week for when you're going to be hearing the show and uh, if you've not done so already please subscribe to our newsletters. We have the Tactical and Practical Tuesday newsletter we have the wildlife wednesday newsletter which is done by our editor-in-chief chester moore and then we also have the thursday texas state of the outdoor nation newsletter awesome content there it's like getting a mini magazine three times a week it's really cool and i really think you'll get a lot of benefit out of learning stuff in the outdoors about wildlife and biology and hunting and fishing the hook and bullet stuff we always cover is really good so anyway thank you so much again for watching reading and listening have an awesome day in the outdoors we'll see you next time Thank you.